the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The John Steigerwald Show, sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Portions of today's program may be pre-recorded. Well, the big guy got another booster. That's right. The president of the United States uh, went on national TV a little while ago and took another COVID shot. I think that makes 12 boosters he's had, and uh, he's had COVID at least twice, maybe three times. I've kind of lost track of that, too. Um, his entire COVID team was right up there standing behind him when he told the entire country to get vaccinated again, and that included Dr. Fauci. All of them at one time or another have told us that we can't get COVID if we get vaccinated, and we can't transmit COVID to someone else if we're vaccinated. And they were either totally clueless or they were lying. Everybody knows that by now. Now, one thing we do know for sure is that they were wrong. More and more information is coming out about the vaccine and about how overrated it was. Uh, the premier, did you see this? The, the premier of Alberta, Canada, came out yesterday and apologized to all the people who had been discriminated against for not being vaccinated. In Canada, believe me, that's a lot of people. Here's what a judge in New York said today about city workers who had been fired for not getting a vaccine. Quote, it is time for the city of New York to do what is right and what is just. That's uh, Staten Island Supreme Court Justice Ralph Porzio. He said they all had to be reinstated with back pay. And it was just a few hours after that when the big guy was back up there on stage begging people to get another booster. Now, when does this end? Seriously. On Sunday, I actually saw a woman riding a bike out on the bike path, or on the trail, way out in the country. Not another human in sight as I passed her, the two of us out there on the path, she coming one way, I going the other. On a 72-degree day, without a cloud in the sky, and she was wearing a mask. They've made people insane, and they're not letting up. Back on TV again with the booster stuff. There's more evidence every day that they were wrong, more often than they were right. There's more evidence that closing the schools was a disaster for kids academically and making them wear masks to school was even worse for their health. And they're still selling the shots out there. I got one so I could get into Canada, and that was it, just one. Just about everybody in my family did not, and I'm not getting another one. And, in fact, the president telling me to get one today makes it less likely today than it was yesterday. Meanwhile... Speaking of getting things wrong, the media played a huge role in delivering misinformation from the government during the hysteria, and according to a recent poll, almost nobody believes them about anything anymore. We'll have a media expert here to talk about that after the break. And in our second half hour, again, speaking of misinformation, wait until you hear how the things you eat are supposedly destroying the planet. Stick around. So, are you ready for that bath of your dreams? You can get it with Bath R Us. They're the bathroom experts, and they offer complete bath and shower remodeling services. It's not an overlay. They tear it out, and they replace it. They have modern, durable tubs and showers. They're designed with an exclusive high-tech polymer liner. Uh, pol polymer liner. It's low-maintenance, uh, resistance to uh, hold and, uh, mold, and, mold and mildew. Uh, easy to clean, not easy to talk, but easy to clean, it lasts for decades, uh, plus it comes with a lifetime warranty. We've been telling you about this, a great sponsor. Uh, they're gonna, Bath RS is gonna transform any bathroom to the bath of your dreams, and here's what they have going on right now. If you schedule a free in-home estimate, you get $1,000 off, plus 18 months, same as cash, that's right, zero down, zero payments, zero interest for 18 months. You can call today, 513-715-0778. That's 513-715-0778. Go to bathrus.com. That's bath, the letter R, us.com for the bath of your dreams. 
The economy is tanking. Crime is soaring across Pennsylvania. John Fetterman's solution? He would double down on job-killing tax hikes. Fetterman supported the largest tax hike in Pennsylvania history. He backs higher federal taxes, too, making working-class families pay even more. And Fetterman wants even more wasteful spending, causing even higher inflation. Gas prices are rising again, retirement accounts are plummeting, and families are struggling to put food on the table. But Fetterman still supports the liberals' failed economic agenda. They're taking away what you work so hard for with higher prices and higher taxes. Things would get worse with John Fetterman in Washington because there would be no one to stop them. So we have to stop Fetterman. He's wrong for PA. John Fetterman is reckless. He's a far-left fraud. Senate Leadership Fund paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.senateleadershipfund.org Of all the questions you get asked every day, this one you shouldn't ignore. How much money in your 401k or IRA is actually yours? Not what its current value is, but how much of it will end up in your pockets, not the government's. Remember, you still might owe taxes on that money, so make sure you aren't overpaying. Keep every dollar you're entitled to. Look, I know it's confusing, it's complicated, and it definitely isn't fun. That's why at the Synergy Group, we work with tax professionals to help make sure you aren't paying more in taxes than your fair share. It's your money. You deserve to know what's at stake. Call our team at the Synergy Group today for your complimentary tax analysis. 412-673-7760. Don't do the IRS any favors. 412-673-7760. Securities offered through JW Cole Financial. Member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through JW Cole Advisors. JW Cole Financial and JW Cole Advisors are not affiliated with the Synergy Group Incorporated. Neither the firm nor its agents or representatives may give tax advice. Remember to eat your fruits and vegetables. We all remember these words from our childhood. But how does anyone have time to buy, store, prepare, and eat enough healthy fruits and vegetables in our busy lives? Balance of Nature keeps it simple. Our produce is powdered after an advanced vacuum cold process, which stabilizes the maximum nutrient content. The produce is then mixed into a scientifically researched blend designed with your body in mind. Once these blends are encapsulated, they're packaged and sent right to your door so you can get all the benefits of a colorful variety of fruits and vegetables every day. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Go to balanceofnature.com or call 1-800-2468-751. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code BALANCE. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, the big debate is tonight, uh, Fetterman versus Oz, and the country will be watching. A lot of people are going to be watching this one, and the media will be ready to uh, declare a winner and a loser. But according to a recent poll, the media are the big losers. A New York Times-Siena poll asked people what was more of a threat to democracy or who. Uh, 57% said Republicans, 63% said Democrats, but 84% said the mainstream media. Jeffrey McCall is a professor of communications at DePaul University, a media critic at The Hill, and our uh, resident um, media ethics guy. He joins us now. Jeff, thanks for coming on again, as usual. You're welcome. Great to be with you, John. So uh, what do the numbers look like if you – these numbers about the threat to democracy? I just thought I'd throw this out at you. What would these numbers look, uh, li- what would these numbers look like if you polled your students on this question? Well, I don't think student trust in the media is very great either. So they, they might well see that the media is a threat to democracy. You know, when you look at this poll – and interestingly, it comes from the New York Times and Siena University. So, I mean, it's not from some, like, right-wing, you know, crazy organization right, yeah. or something like that. But the irony here is that the free press was an institution protected by our founders to defend democracy, <laughs> and it is now viewed as a threat wow, to yep. American democracy by a wide majority of Americans. And it, And again, it's not just right-wing people. I mean... In the question, you know, they said, is the mainstream media a, a major threat to democracy? Um, and actually, you know, some, you, could, you could answer major or minor threat. But if you look at major, minor combined, 95% of Republicans say yes. But 83% of independents also say 
the mainstream media is a threat to democracy, and 80% of Democrats say the mainstream media is a threat to democracy. Now, of course, they're probably worried, you know, and wringing their hands about the New York Post and Fox News and Newsmax. But the bottom line here is, across the board, generally speaking, Americans think that the mainstream media is a threat to democracy. And I just find that so, you know, disappointing, but also ironic that the institution that was set up to represent us, uh, we now recognize as not representing us and is damaging to our culture. What do you think uh, the the numbers would look like if this question were asked in 1860? Of course, it wouldn't be the media. It would just be the press. It would be newspapers, sure. basically. Well, you know, it's hard to say. I'm, my guess is probably there was a lot of distrust in the media back then. But I also think back then, and again, I wasn't alive in 1860, <laughs> but reading history, as I have done at various times, if you look back, you know, the, the media was clearly partisan. And I think that the, the consumers of the media at that time understood that, that they looked at the newspapers of the time and recognized that they were partisan, that they were activist uh, organizations, and they took that into consideration. The problem now is that the quote-unquote mainstream media, which is run by huge media corporations and what I call the establishment media, as you and I have talked before, mm-hmm. is that they portray themselves as representing us. And for years, I think American news consumers kind of bought into that notion like, Hey, yeah, they're there to represent us. We should be able to have confidence in them, but but now we don't. And so that myth has been blown up, but the the establishment media hasn't understood or figured out yet that they're carrying on this, this myth that they're there to represent us and they're to provide the truth and they're the objective, you know, guides for democracy. When they've blown it, the public has left them and they haven't figured out yet that they need to reinvent themselves. Yeah, it's one thing to have a problem with credibility. But, I mean, how do you get to the point that the, that the mainstream media are considered a threat to democracy by almost everybody? I mean... Yeah, and it's, and it's very scary. And, you know, you know, we've been talking about history here, and I think it's worth noting that, you know, Gallup is another recognizable uh, polling organization and they've been tracking trust in media uh, since the early 1970s. And in the early 1970s, you know, trust in media amongst all political stripes was in the 70% area, all right? Republicans, Democrats, independents had pretty much confidence in the media to do a fair job. And the, the percentages were in the mid-upper 70s. Now it's very interesting to note that in the most recent Gallup survey, 70% of Democrats still say they have trust in the media, but only 27% of independents have any trust in the media, and only 14% of Republicans. And that huge gap has got to be disturbing. And I think that the people in the media should, should maybe raise a question to themselves like, hey, why is it that Republicans and independents have abandoned us and maybe... We are just too far to the left and that we are transparent in our advocacy of particular political opinions and that we are not viewed as doing a fair job for, for the American public. You know, um, uh, it's, things have changed so much now since, those, since the 70s where you have so many different uh, media outlets, not to mention the stuff online, but just, just the television stuff. Uh, I can remember... Uh, my dad was a uh, a charter subscriber to National Review magazine, so he was a conservative long before it was cool to be conservative. And I and he watched. Uh, we actually would watch the CBS Evening News while we ate our dinner. I mean, that's the that's the that's the environment I grew up in, and it was considered important. And he would he was complaining then about what a liberal Eric Severide was. Now I don't know if you remember if you're old enough to remember him. But he was just considered. Oh, sure. He was. He was. You couldn't be more credible than Eric Severide. So, people. I think if you look at that survey that they took back then, everybody believed Walter Cronkite was uh, calling it right down the middle, even though he was a raging liberal. But uh, I think people were more misled then than they were trusting. 
Do you know what I mean? I, I just don't think they they were paying attention as much, or they didn't. It wasn't as um, it, maybe it was more subtle then. I don't know. Well, I think it was more subtle, and I think there was uh, a sense in the American public that we had to have confidence in our institutions, and the media institutions were growing at that time. But I think there was still a sense that this this is the portrayal of the news events as we get it today. And, you know, it, it turns out, as we know now, that Cronkite was quite left of center. But I think there was a time where, even with his personal feelings, that he at least put on the good charade, so to speak, to try to say, hey, we're, we're trying to give people at least a fair shot of things. Mm-hmm. And the other thing with Eric Severide is, you know, he, he, was, he was put on the air to give analysis and opinion, and it was clearly labeled as such. Yeah. So if people, even, even if they didn't disagree, didn't agree with him, they could at least say, hey, we know he's there to provide, you know, his opinion or perspective on the news. But the other thing I'd say about Eric Severide is he was an intellect. He was a really highly educated, bright guy who'd come up through the ranks, who had done all kinds of different jobs in media, and he was not a guy shooting from the hip with no information as a partisan hack like we see on MSNBC all the time now. You know, when you look at, like, Chris Hayes and some of these people on MSNBC, you sit back and think, hey, that guy's an intellect. He's really worth thinking about. (laughs) Or or do you just think this guy's just shooting from the hip with a purely partisan point of view and it's not designed to kind of advance discussion. And I remember watching Eric Severide, and I mean, and my dad did, and my family did as well. And I know they didn't, you know, my parents didn't agree with him all the time, but they at least figure, hey, this guy's at least coming from a perspective where he's trying to, like, generate discussion here, and they just didn't just dismiss him out of hand. Yeah. Well, uh, and this poll um, that they did, uh, this is interesting, because when you think about how much uh, MSNBC and CNN have just been pounding on January 6th and saying it was worse than September 11th and blah, blah, blah. Um, This poll showed that only 7% of the respondents thought that January 6th was a top three issue. Uh, Is that that like an indictment of how little their their enthusiasm for this story has, what little effect it has had on people? And you think they would wake up to that? Well, you'd think they'd wake up to that. I mean, it, it shows a disconnect between the media priorities and the public's priorities, uh, and it shows a real tin ear by the media establishment. By the way, you know, I don't mind that they're having January 6th hearings, uh, and, you know, January 6th was a, you know, a bad time for America. I mean, I'm not going to say that, like, oh, it was no big deal. Right. But I think the question is, is it as big a deal as the New York Times would want us to believe. Is it as big a deal as CNN would want us to believe? And, you know, I don't know how anybody with a straight face can sit down and say, oh, this is as bad as 911. Yeah. And, I mean, and you know, the, the, the theme that keeps coming out of the news coverage of the January 6th committee hearings is that this was a threat to democracy. Democracy was teetering at that time. Yeah. And, I'm, you know, I think your average American looks at the video of that and thinks, some guy with a Viking helmet was going to turn over the American government? Yeah. I mean, people just don't believe that. I mean, even if you see the people, you know, beating in windows or marching into the Capitol where they should not have been, even if you look at that, you're thinking, these people are not going to overthrow the United States government. I mean, these were people, most of them average Americans. They were Trump supporters, which, of course, makes them horrible in the eyes of CNN commentators. Right. But these were average people who were concerned about the election. They supported their candidate, and they made some misjudgments, in my opinion, with some of the actions they did, although many of them didn't do anything at all wrong. They just showed up. They're still in they jail. They not be condemned for showing up. But the, the misread here is that the, the mainstream media thinks somehow, because they're all enamored with January 6th, that the rest of the nation is enamored with January 6th. And I'm here to tell you, when I talk to people in my community who work in the local factories or, you know, they're carpenters or whatever, you know, they're kind of like, hey, I can't afford gas for crying out loud. Yeah. Right. Uh, I'm worried about being able to make my house payments and that sort of thing. And that's where I think the tin ear comes in here. And I'm not saying that we just like totally don't pay any attention to January 6th in the committee hearings, although some of the polling from Monmouth University shows that the American public doesn't think those hearings have been uh, done 
uh, fairly at all. And the other thing it's in the Monmouth poll that shows is that those committee hearings have not changed anybody's mind. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the, the news media has pounded this thing for, you know, months on end, and people have already made up their minds on that. So, I mean, if, if the media thinks, well, if we just did more reporting on January 6th, we'd finally convince everybody, you know, that uh, Trump needs to be arrested or whatever. It's like, no, you're not going to convince anybody. But people already have their minds made up. The people who think it was heinous have made their minds up. The people who are thinking, hey, it was bad, but, you know, it's not going to change the course of American history. They've made their minds up, too. And at a certain point, we need to move on because, let's face it, if you want to talk about a threat to democracy, I'd be a little bit more worried about China than some guys with with MAGA hats walking on the, the, the floor of the Capitol. Yeah, we're talking to Jeff McCall. He's a professor of communications at DePaul University, media critic for The Hill. Got a little over, a little less than four minutes. Um, uh, i got to ask you about the Fetterman-Oz debate tonight. It's going to be well covered, probably pretty well viewed. Um, I'm just wondering what you're expecting to see from well, at least the non-Fox media about uh, what kind of reaction are you going to expecting to see from that media on Fetterman and having to deal with uh, the tele the teleprompter or the the closed captioning whatever you call it and he's expected to have some serious communication problems tonight. Are they going to give him a yeah, pass? And, well, I, I think we already know what they're going to say. He's going to be viewed as a sympathetic figure. Yep. Uh, the Fetterman the Fetterman campaign has already put out an advanced news release explaining why their candidate is going to have some struggles, which, which I'm sure he will, but they've already kind of uh, established the uh, agenda, so to speak. Lowered the bar. The national media. Uh, they've lowered the bar, and they've also created the expectation that if, if the mainstream media beat up Fetterman in their reporting, they're already going to be accused then of like trying to take advantage of a guy who's already down on his luck and has a health problem. So actually, this is one of those things I'm not sure in the establishment press that Oz can win at all. Uh, I think for him to win, he basically needs to show up, be halfway sympathetic, and just talk about issues as best he can and not call any attention to Fetterman's health issues because he's going to be portrayed as a bully on the block either way. And, of course, if you look at Fox Media and Newsmax and the New York Post, they will beat up on Fetterman and to say, how could anybody vote for this guy? He's not physically capable because of his health conditions uh, to, you know, to run for the United States Senate. So it'll be kind of interesting, but I think we do kind of already know what the playbook looks like. And I just can't picture that MSNBC or the New York Times will, will, will dare come out and say that uh, Fetterman did not rise to the occasion. In fact, uh, he doesn't have to do very much for them to say, hey, look how great he did. And in fact, it's almost like the same kind of situation when Joe Biden debated Trump in 2020. The bar was so low for Biden that he got to the end of the quote unquote debate and, you know, hadn't done something horrible, crazy or walked off the stage or something. Everybody viewed Biden as the winner in the mainstream media. Yeah, they did. Well, speaking of him, uh, I got a minute left and he got another booster on national TV today. I haven't seen the media response uh, yet, but what are the chances of seeing uh, any skepticism on that or any questioning of why uh, anybody should believe him or Dr. Fauci, who was up there on the stage with him, when they say anything about anything pertaining to vaccinations and COVID? Well, I I think with regard to COVID now, it's all just theatrics. I mean, you know, when you have people getting their boosters on TV and talking about having to get their next shot and stuff like that. I mean, at a certain point, the credibility has been damaged so much for the CDC and even Fauci and those kinds of people. And, you know, Michelle Walensky of the CDC even has COVID now after getting a booster just like a month ago. And, you know, and I feel sad for her because I'm sure she's ill. But on the other hand, you can't go parading around and convincing everybody, do this, do this, follow the science, when we really don't know what the science is and I'm just thinking, when we're doing boosters and stuff for TV purposes, it just diminishes the whole discussion to theatrics, and rational thinking has left the room for sure. Yeah, and as I said, that made me less likely to get a booster seeing him up there today. <laughs> I'm out of time, uh, Jeff. I appreciate, as always, your great points as usual. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Okay, that's Jeff McCall, DePaul University. We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm John Scott. Richie Sunak has swiftly become Britain's Prime Minister. I've just been to Buckingham Palace and accepted His Majesty the King's invitation to form a government in his name. Sunak's next move is to appoint a new team tasked with tackling a wide range of challenges, not just economic. Right now, our country is facing a profound economic crisis. The aftermath of COVID still lingers. Putin's war in Ukraine has destabilized energy markets and supply chains the world over. Mimi Montgomery, London. The 19-year-old gunman who killed a teacher and a 15-year-old girl at a St. Louis high school was armed with an AR-15-style rifle and what appeared to be more than 600 rounds of ammunition. Orlando Harris was killed in an exchange of gunfire. He graduated from the school last year. This is SRN News. Hi, I'm Al Abaroa, founder of Knight Strategic Wealth. Inflation is a problem, markets are volatile, and the risk of running out of money in retirement is real. That's why I love annuities, and you should too. Your financial advisor doesn't want you to know that with our annuity strategy, when the stock market goes up, you earn a market-linked return that locks in every year, and when the stock market goes down, your annuity won't lose a dime. There are no unnecessary fees, and it works for your investments, money at a brokerage firm, or even money at a bank. It's simple, it's safe, and you should only invest if you learn the facts. And that's why savvy investors work with us. Want to learn more? Text FREE to 833-898-0500, and we'll send our retirement readiness kit directly to your phone right now. If you want to use safe, low-fee annuities to build a retirement portfolio that will go up with the market and never lose money, Get our retirement readiness kit today and see how this strategy can help secure your future. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. Text FREE to 833-898-0500. As we move closer to the decision of our lifetime, the left continues to freak out because they sense they're losing their grip on the control of our lives. They hate that. So be prepared for chaos. They seem to think chaos creates a better environment for their wacky ideas. Put on your gas mask. Be prepared for anything they may throw at us. But be prepared to vote and get your friends to the polls. It's never been bigger than this one. Election 2022 will be the answer. AM 1250, the answer. John Fetterman is too extreme for Pennsylvania. This is Matt Schlapp, chairman of CPAC Action Pack. By supporting 87,000 new IRS agents, trillions in new government spending, and stimulus checks for criminals and illegals. Democrats put loyalty to Biden, Pelosi, and Sanders above the needs of your family. Democrats are wrong on the border. They repeatedly oppose closing the border, leading to more human trafficking, drug smuggling, and violent crime. Democrats are also extremists on abortion, supporting unregulated abortion, even in the last trimester, funded by taxpayers. Let's send Washington, D.C. socialists a message. John Fetterman, he's wrong for Pennsylvania. Paid for by CPAC Action Pack. Not affiliated with any candidate or candidate committee. www.cpacactionpack.com. Join Beth Andrews of Networth Advisors for the Networth Financial Hour. Saturdays at 7 a.m., 4 p.m., and 7 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 11. Get the news and information you need to help make your retirement dreams a reality. Don't miss the Networth Financial Hour with Beth Andrews. Saturdays at 7 a.m., 4 p.m., and 7 p.m., and Sunday mornings at 11. Firm offers insurance services. Networth Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. WPGP, Pittsburgh. W223CS, Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or Odyssey. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Delays persisting on 28 both ways between Highland Park Bridge and Delafield Avenue with construction and outbound tied up from Route 8 up to Fox Chapel. About a 10-minute delay there. Looking pretty good on the Parkway West. Just a little delay on inbound to 376 Montour Run Road down to 22. Parkway North is a little heavy inbound, 65 to the Fort Pitt Bridge. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Partly cloudy skies for tonight with a low of 52. Mainly cloudy tomorrow. It'll be cooler with a bit of rain. Tomorrow we'll see a high of 59. Tomorrow night, a shower in spots early in the evening. Otherwise, low clouds with a low of 43. Thursday, sunshine and a few clouds. It'll be the start of an extended stretch of dry weather. We'll reach a high Thursday of 58. For Friday, partly sunny skies and a high of 60. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Drew Shannon. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. So are you uh, are you an eco-friendly eater? Do you know anybody who is? Or are you like, you know, most normal people and just eat what you like and make your decisions based on how it tastes and, you know, I don't know, maybe how healthy or unhealthy it is? A publication called Nature Sustainability, which is scary in itself, uh, researched data on food production and its impacts on the earth. We thought we'd run some of this stuff by Anthony Watts. He's a senior fellow for Environment and Climate at the Heartland Institute, and he joins us now. Thanks for coming on, Anthony. Appreciate it. It's always my pleasure, John. So uh, how often do you consider the damage you might be doing to the planet when you make a sandwich? Uh, actually, I personally never consider doing any damage to the planet when I'm having a steak or having a salad or whatever, but there are lots of people out there who seem to think that behind every rock and tree, there is some threat to the planet, you know, and related to climate change. And yet, what's funny about all this is that a lot of these folks are vegans. They, they don't eat meat, but they don't think about the fact that when they remove some plants from the environment, those plants that recycle carbon dioxide and turn it into oxygen through photosynthesis that we all learned in grade school, my gosh, they're having an effect on the planet, too. They're removing those plants that are taking away that terrible, dangerous carbon dioxide. Yeah. So uh, according to the story, pigs and cattle, though, are the big offenders. Uh, cattle because of greenhouse gases and pigs because of water. Uh, the, it hurts the quality of the water somehow. Yeah, well, let's try to put some lipstick on those pigs, shall we, with some data. Um, okay, so I have a graph in front of me, and if you want to go see this yourself, you can go to climateataglance.com, which is one of our Heartland websites. Heart, uh, Heartland operates this website to provide factual information about climate change, climateataglance.com. And we have one on uh, livestock and methane, and we're using data that comes from uh, the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, and we have a graphic there that I've prepared. And the graphic shows the effect of livestock compared to everything else in the, you know, in the whole mix of things that's producing greenhouse gases. Livestock overall, that's pigs and goats and, and um, cows, all together um, basically make up just 3.9% of the greenhouse grasses that the EPA is worried about. And cattle, cows only, make even less, just 2% of the U.S. greenhouse gas emissions. So compared to everything else, uh, you know, automobiles, power generation, industrialization, uh, economic and commercial enterprises, residential heating, uh, stuff like that, it, this is just a drop in the bucket compared to these other emissions. Yet the eco folks seem to think they've got to force everyone to stop eating meat because somehow that's much more important than dealing with these other issues. Yeah, and uh, this this kind of seemed to me anyway, it's, it started as a, a joke, you know, that, that cows are farting and that that's uh, somehow affecting the planet. And, it became, you know, everybody kind of laughed at it. But as it is with most of this stuff, it slowly has grown to where you're supposed to take it seriously. That, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on, because I saw this... Um, this uh, survey, this, uh, this study. Um, and so uh, there are more and more people actually, despite what you just said with the numbers, taking this stuff seriously and expecting me to? They do. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that most people really don't understand how the world works. They don't understand how crops are grown and farming works. They don't understand how it gets to the grocery store. A lot of people think that, you know, they just go to the grocery store and food just somehow magically <laughs> appears there. Yeah. You know, um, it, it's it, the education system has really failed us here. But the bottom line is this has been promoted 
and promoted and promoted in the mainstream media as the next big thing. You know, we're all going to stop eating meat. We're going to eat, you know, these Beyond Burgers or Impossible Burgers or whatever. And these are either plant-based proteins or, God forbid, insect-based proteins that we're going to be forced to consume in the future. You know, would you like fries with those crickets? Seriously, that's what it's coming to. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that, and that's this is all. I think this is all leading to us being told to eat bugs. Uh, and if you start telling the kids that, you know, not to worry about it. You know, I, you know, if you have kids, you can you can get a kid to eat just about anything, either with by rewarding him or telling him he's you know can't can't go outside unless he finishes his his uh, green beans. You can just as easily say that about his crickets. Yeah, you know, that's, and that, that's and- what they're hoping for. I think. They are. In fact, there's entire plants that exist now that are turning large-scale cricket farming into protein. And they're they're turning this protein into things that are supposedly edible by humans. And, um, you know, they're they're a little coy on the way they label these things, uh, you know, as uh, insect-based protein. But it's out there. Uh, And so the impossible burger for example from my perspective becomes impossible to eat when it might have crickets in it <laughs> <laughs> oh and i think it's, i think it's kind of it seems to be uh, one of those things that's uh, popping up in europe uh, right now and it hasn't quite made its way here but it's one of those things you know it's coming right it has to it's on its way here if it's not already i mean uh, th- this this kind of stuff just has to be the the setup to not totally because of this, but it's part of the setup uh, to get people to start at least thinking about accepting the idea of eating a bug. Yeah, because, you know, the stakes are going to be just for the elite that are left over that are controlling us all. That's basically the whole viewpoint. But the bottom line is there's no crisis here. The amount of methane in the atmosphere supposedly coming from cattle is insignificant in the whole scheme of things. And methane has a very short lifetime in the atmosphere compared to carbon dioxide. And, you know, so it, it, it disappears very quickly. It's we're getting more methane vented naturally by the earth through its own processes. You know, if you look into the ocean, you will find methane seeps that are bubbling up out of the ocean. And the total amount of methane that's being emitted by the planet is far greater than the amount of methane being generated by cattle farming. They're attacking a non-problem because somehow, you know, they believe that there's some kind of social justice in this uh, associated with not uh, eating an animal because somehow that's bad, mm-hmm. uh, even though you know we're we're born with incisors, uh, incisor teeth, you know, designed to eat meat. Um, somehow these folks think that that is somehow bad, not just bad from the planet, but bad morally, and they're trying to convince us to uh, be on their side of things. We're talking to Anthony Watts, a senior fellow for environment and climate at the Heartland Institute, uh, and Anthony, there are even fish uh, in this story. Um, the, apparently the trawls they use to catch them, uh, they're saying that they destroy habitat along the ocean floor. So uh, the, if you eliminate pigs, uh, cows, and fish, um, you're kind of running out of uh, kind of running out of things to eat other than plants and bugs. Right. I mean, tofu and crickets. Who would yeah. who wouldn't want that as a permanent diet? <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, uh, is what well, we they 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 say this though that I get I read this and I get this picture of the trawls scraping across the ocean floor and just killing all this great vegetation and whatever seafood that could be given to people and I, I get the impression that there it's like uh, some some um, condemnation of the fishing industry now. Yes, well I will say this: there is a problem with overfishing. It's a real and present danger to the ocean, and that is that China has a humongous appetite for fish and and crustaceans, crab, all that sort of thing. And right now in Alaska, they've closed the Alaskan king crab season, the snow crab season rather, um, because the population crashed. Of course, they immediately go to blame climate change on it, Mm -hmm. but ignore the fact that there has been illegal uh, Chinese trawling going on for years, and the fact that we are now in the fourth year of a La Nina uh, event in the Pacific, which is causing warm water to migrate north into the uh, Bering Sea. And so 
that's also affecting the crab population. The crab population crashed 90%, and so they, uh, the, the feds halted the fishing season because they wanted to make sure that the population recovers, which by itself, that makes sense. But the problem is they're trying to blame it on climate change, when in fact climate change has one damn thing to do with it. Overfishing, number one, and number two, the natural weather pattern called La Nina, pushing warm water north, has made the area inhospitable for that particular type of crab. And so a lot of them have moved elsewhere into cooler waters. It's just that simple. And it's, it's not climate change. You know, Occam's it, razor. Yeah, I'm, and I'm guessing that that's happened uh, a couple of times before in the zillion-year history of the planet Earth. Yes, it has. And, in fact, if you go to climaterealism.com, I have a story up on that very subject. And, lo and behold, I went back looking through data uh, to find when this last happened. And uh, the data from uh, the U.S. Department of uh, Fisheries and all that stuff basically showed that in uh, 1984 and 85, the Bering Sea crab population crashed and crashed hard. And what happened then? A La Nina event for two years, a strong one. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and just to go through some of this other stuff here real quick, uh, rice and wheat, uh, that caused a problem, too much water to make it grow. So we've covered pigs, cattle. Uh, you mentioned goats. I wasn't going to mention them. <laughs> but, uh, uh, pigs and cattle uh, and also fish. And now we're down to rice and wheat causing a problem. Again, uh, Anthony, I, uh, the only thing left is uh, I'm, I'm starting to believe that we're down to bugs. I mean, it, it's... <laughs> yeah. Well, what else is you know left? what's funny? Bugs emit methane, too. Yeah. You know, when bu- bugs die, what happens to them? They decompose, and when they decompose, they emit methane. So whether we eat them or whether they die on the, on the forest floor, they're going to make methane anyway. So, you know, it, the whole thing is just they're, they're looking for bugaboos behind every rock and tree, trying to find some way to basically save the planet from climate change. When the planet doesn't need saving, the planet doesn't give a rat's behind about any of the things that are humans doing right now. It's going to do what it's going to do, just like it did in the Bering Sea with La Nina. Yeah, and also it says that, uh, also part of the study says that the food we waste is a problem, <laughs> and the biggest problems from that come from fruits and vegetables. So uh, I'm, I hate to keep eliminating all these things, but I, it's, it just keeps coming back to bugs. We've now gone uh, to fruits, it, vegetables, cows, fish, and what was the other? I'm lost. I've lost track now. Oh, rice and wheat. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, well, so, they can they can complain about. I would say to these environmentalists complaining about rice, go take your complaint over to China. Yeah. I'm sure they'll be receptive. To yeah, it. yeah, they'll stop eating rice. Um, meanwhile, uh, speaking of studies um, on another subject, kind of here, research by Dr. Roy Spencer at the University of Alabama, shows that 36 major climate models going back 50 years, 50 years have greatly exaggerated uh, global warming. And I'm guessing that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. you. And th- these are the models they use to make us stop eating meat, right? Right. They're basically saying that the future is bad because the climate models say so. Well, the climate models are running hot. And not only that, when you're talking about models that, you know, that model the climate, our own weather models can't even agree on things. This week, uh, Joe Bastardi, one of the best forecasters in the nation who works for WeatherBell, put up on his Twitter page a comparison of two different models, the European model and the U.S. model, showing what was supposed to happen in the U.S. this week. And guess what? These two models were completely at odds with one another. <laughs> one of them said that the West is going to be super cold, and the other one said the West is going to be super warm, and vice versa for the East. The models can't even agree on stuff a couple of days out, much less 50 years. Models are not data. Models are just simply educated guesses, and there's no way to prove them right or wrong for the future because you can't get to the future unless we invent a time machine to go out to the future and find out what these models, you know, how they they fare. It's not going to work. And so Roy Spencer basically said, I'm going to look at the last 50 years and see how the models work. Boom, the models failed. It's just that simple. And yet we're basing policy decisions on this. It's crazy. And 36 of the major climate models uh, going back 50 years um, were off, doubled the temperature increase uh, and, it, and it, that, that 
they were doubly wrong, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Two, they were off. They were saying it was going to be two times warmer than it ended up being. That's what I was trying to say. That's 36 right. out of 50. That's pretty. That's a lot. So, twice as much. Twice as hot as they uh, said it was going to be. The problem with climate is that it's chaotic, just like weather. I mean, weather is tough to predict accurately out several days. I mean, a few years ago, 30 years ago, we couldn't accurately predict beyond about three or four days with any reasonable degree of certainty. Now we've gotten better and we're out to seven or ten days, but it's still not much better at ten days than a coin flip. Now, climate models and weather models are based on a lot of the same mathematics. They look at sections of the atmosphere and they model what's going on in that section of the atmosphere and conglomerate it all together and make an output. Imagine, if you will, how well everything holds together 50 years from now, given how chaotic the weather is. Climate is simply a 30-year average of weather. That's all it is. It's a statistical construct. And so, you know, this, this faith in models is completely misplaced. It's completely wrong. And as a result, the economy is suffering and people are suffering and the future may be very well suffering because, you know, the climate models are dictating we got to eat bugs to save the planet. Well, I'm uh, I'm out of time, Anthony, and I'm uh, really my mouth is starting to water thinking about eating the cricket sandwich I'm going to have when I uh, get out of here in a few minutes. <laughs> I, uh, I I appreciate you coming you on. Have you have hollandaise sauce, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it was probably is that does hollandaise sauce release methane? I don't know. Uh, making it probably. <laughs> hey, Anthony, thank you. It's my pleasure. We'll be right back. What does John Fetterman think this election is all about? I'm running on my record on crime. But Fetterman's record on crime is crazy. He served on the board of pardons with Josh Shapiro and other Democrats. But over and over again, John Fetterman was the only vote to pardon murderers. On 225 votes on the pardon board, Josh Shapiro voted against the criminals, against pardons. But John Fetterman voted to let the convicted criminals off the hook. Fetterman's a lone wolf. I have made getting them out of prison like the most critical thing I'll, I'll ever do. Fetterman's too extreme. Voters say that's nuts. He's not like most Democrats. Fetterman's way more radical than Shapiro. What's wrong with this guy? John Fetterman is too reckless. He's dangerously liberal on crime. American Crossroads paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's committee. www.americancrossroads.org Football, pumpkin spice, the holidays. Fall is the perfect time to make your house feel more like home. And right now, you can get up to 40% off custom window treatments at Blinds.com. Save now and enjoy for the rest of the year. A fall home refresh doesn't need to be a hassle. And ordering online shouldn't mean sacrificing style or service. Blinds.com has a premium selection of blinds, shades, shutters, drapes, and more. We even have motorized shades to make your life that much easier. Need help making a selection? Our design experts are always here for live consultations. Need help measuring or installing? We've got that covered too. With Blinds.com, there are never any hidden fees or misleading quotes, no showrooms or retail markups, and shipping is always free. See why Blinds.com is the number one online retailer of custom window treatments. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 40% site-wide. Up to 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Balance of nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule. Changing the world one life at a time. I'm a physician. I've been in practice for 40 years. You know, when I started taking this, you know, I, I don't like medicines, and I probably have taken more people off medicine than I put on it. And so I looked at it, and it's pretty much a natural uh, element. And there's no question in my mind, knowing a lot of patients, that uh, people my age, you know, 60 and over, do not eat right. And they certainly don't get the appropriate uh, uh, nutrients through the vegetables, fruits, and things like that. So I think that it supplies the building blocks that your body normally would use to heal itself. And uh, if you don't get them, you don't heal right. So it's amazing. I and mean, I'm doing what I did two years ago. Start your journey to better health. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com to get free shipping. And don't forget to get 35% off your first preferred order by using discount code BALANCE. Do you know how much you're really paying for life insurance through work? I can almost guarantee you're overpaying for limited coverage. 
I'm Joel Clark, a select quote agent for over 20 years. My clients are shocked to learn how expensive life insurance at work really is because of a rate that's driven up by unhealthy people. Why pay more when you don't have to? For over 35 years, SelectQuote has helped people save 50% or more by shopping highly rated insurance carriers. I found a 40-year-old man with high blood pressure, a $500,000 policy for only $18 a month. Don't procrastinate. Workplace open enrollment will be here soon. Let SelectQuote save you money and get you the coverage you need to protect your family. For your free quote in just minutes, call 1-800-865-2266. That's 1-800-865-2266. 1-800-865-2266. Or go to SelectQuote.com. Full details on example policy and carrier ratings at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Price could vary by health, issuing company, and other factors. Not available in all states. This is the John Stackerwalt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, if you were listening yesterday, you heard uh, our guest was Scott Dalbigan. He's a, uh, a Canadian blogger, and he wrote a really good piece about uh, the woke wokeism in the press box. And uh, I, I wanted to have him on to talk about it. And in the course of the conversation, I told him that I was waiting to be declared a citizen of Canada. Well, I got home from work from just doing the show last night. I walk in the house. And there it is. My wife had gotten the mail, and there's my certificate that I'm a citizen of Canada. Now, I've been a citizen since I was born because of my mother uh, being a Canadian citizen, but didn't know it or didn't do anything about it. And uh, I discovered this thing called Lost Canadians a couple of years ago where it talked about people who, who were born to Canadian parents but never really claimed their citizenship because it was in a foreign country. Anyway, uh, so here it is. It's my certificate of Canadian citizenship, and it says, The Minister of Immigration, Refugees, and Citizenship hereby certifies and declares that John Scott Steigerwald is a Canadian citizen and as such is entitled to all the rights and privileges and bears all the responsibilities, obligations, and duties of a Canadian subject. Now, that's the first time, for the first time in my life, I'm aware that for all these years, since the day I was born, I've been a Canadian not just a citizen, but a subject. Um, I'm not going to back out on this thing. It took me 16 months to, uh, waiting after I went through quite a quite a bit of um, well, a lot of a lot of stuff to get to get this done. I had to find my mother's birth certificate and blah blah blah. But I am now not only a Canadian citizen, but I am a Canadian subject. And you know what? The best part about this is I'm going to vote against. Justin Trudeau, whenever possible. As soon as I figure out how the elections work, I'm going to vote against Justin Trudeau. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. The John Steckerwald Show is a production of Salem Media Group and sponsored by Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the Yellow Van. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.